stop on this train will be. It's up to you, New York. Swung on a hit in the air, the deep center. Fetch back, away back. She is gone. This is 161st Street, Yankee Stadium. Now batting for the Yankees, number two, Derek Jeter, number two. Alrighty then. All right. Welcome what to is up. Welcome to the 18th episode of 161st Street podcast. Jeter is in the Hall of Fame. That did happen. He is not unanimous, which we'll get into that and why that guy is that guy, why he has to be that asshole, and if it really fucking matters. What do you think here, Durfee? So I know that everyone's pretty upset about it. Obviously, the guy is a jabroni for not picking Jeter. Like, how do you think anybody... I want to know who else he put on the ballot, first of all. Uh, That's the first question I have, but really when it comes down to it, I'm not starting a riot to go burn this guy's house down. Like, it is what it is. If Jeter doesn't really care that much, I don't really care that much. We all know that he deserved to be unanimous. He, he, you know, he did deserve it. And we can bitch him on all we want about it. But at the end of the day, Jeter isn't worried about it. I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point there, Murph, because, like, I, I was the same way. I was like, first I was like, who the hell didn't vote him in unanimously? But then... You also said, you know, who else did that guy vote for? And I think that's a good point because you never know if some other vote, he allocated some other vote to someone else to give them a better chance in the future. Maybe even that vote was for Larry Walker, you know? Yeah. It's like, either way, Jeter was going to get in, and he is a Hall of Famer for his ballot and the best shortstop of all time. So we can appreciate that. And if he's not unanimous, it's not unanimous. It's like, I'm over it. Yeah, I'm, I don't really even, to be, to be honest, give a shit about the unanimous thing because... I think the writers are more fixated on the unanimous thing because of the fact that Griffey and Cal didn't get in unanimously. Well, nobody has. Nobody has, other than Mo. I'm just saying. The position they players, always, yeah. They always reference back to, and even Dan does this too. He says, like, yo, Cal, or Griffey didn't get in, so why should Jeter? I was like, that's because they made a mistake on that. Griffey should have been unanimous. Yeah. If you're talking yeah. unanimous, like, unanimous to me is like, yeah, like, Jeter should be in the Hall of Fame. Like, everybody knows that. Like, and, and people, I feel like, are spiteful. And, like, that one guy may have not voted Jeter in because he knew Griffey never got in, so he wanted to make sure that he wasn't unanimous because of the Griffey situation. Yeah. I think that... I, oh, yeah. Go ahead, then. Uh, so I was just, just going to quickly say, like, I had a conversation with this um, one of my other friends from work, and he was like, like, Mariano Rivera was, like the best reliever of all time. He is on top. He is like, he is number one. Right. And that's what unanimous really means. It's like he was during the, during his prime, the seven year prime or eight year prime, he was the best reliever of all time. Right. And I try to think about it. Like I'm trying to think of other scenarios where it'd be like your, for instance, Cal Ripken, like Cal Ripken and Jeter, like if you're comparing the two, like, is there really one that's like significantly better than the other one? that makes them more unanimous than the other. And I just caught, I just kept thinking about that, you know. It's like unanimous is really the best of all time at that one position. I you know? agree. And I think that 
just the beauty of the Baseball Hall of Fame is that there hasn't, in you know, over a hundred years, like nobody has been a unanimous into the Hall of Fame. Babe Ruth wasn't unanimous in the Hall of Fame. Lou Gehrig wasn't unanimous in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, Mickey Mantle wasn't unanimous in the Hall of Fame. Willie Mays was unanimous. Like all these huge players were not unanimous. And granted, the the voting was different at the time, but the just how. Um, difficult that is to get in. The fact that he still even had the highest votes is, I think, a really big deal. Um, yeah, I, th- I, I think it's just funny that it was one person. I like, agree. Yeah, like that's just guy. the funny like, part. That's just like, yeah, of course. But like, I don't think that there should be a unanimous guy until we see somebody win like multiple triple crowns or, or like, you know, fifteen years ago. It was like somebody who's like the undisputed greatest of all time, either I as think, a position or as a yeah. position player as a whole, like Mo was with the reliever. So he he definitely deserved mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. But if, you know, is Jeter the, ultimately the best baseball player of all time? No. I agree, but yeah. I think unanimous to me, I, I get, like, the dominating their position. Everybody says Mo is unanimous because he flat out dominated his position more than anybody ever did. So that I get for making him not unanimous. I think it's more of the fact that they're they're all salty about the Griffey shit. Yeah. So why mm-hmm. don't we, why and don't he's we, a Yankee, you know. Yeah, that too. There's also Yankee, Yankee haters out there, so... I mean, why don't we hop into uh, another person's opinion on this? We can go to good old OJ, see what he has to say about this. When we play that clip there, Murphy. Who wouldn't vote for Derek Jeter for Baseball Hall of Fame? This man has been a credit to the game. He's been a credit to sports. Uh, He's had a hell of a career. I mean, seriously, take that guy's vote away from him. He should never be able to vote again. He's probably from Boston, but even Boston people appreciate good baseball. I'm just saying, get rid of that guy. Take care. That's the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, but I mean, as 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 nuts as OJ is, he kind of has a little bit of a point. Just, I mean, like, do you think? And, 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 and I don't mean that. I mean, like, do you think he loses? A lot of people were saying. Get that guy to lose his vote. What do you think on that? I'd hate to agree with OJ <laughs> about anything. No, uh, no. I mean, but like, yeah. no, I don't. I don't know. Like, it, you shouldn't. The point of having a vote is that you're a baseball ready and your opinion's trusted. The, the whole system's kind of broken if you have one bad vote and you're like you lose your vote. Like, I don't know. That seems extreme to me, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I feel like. Again, we keep going back to the same thing as like you don't know what his whole bout looked like. You don't know the contributions right. that he made for future players. You know, it's like I don't know. Uh, yeah. uh, that's all. That's all I gotta say I about all one, that. One thing about the whole voting thing again, I think, like we said, I think it's a little bit broken because like there's that like strategy that voters can have where they can literally because they have ten votes. Right. So every player, you know, they have to meet that minimum five percent to stay on the ballot next year and some people don't get there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the voters will use their 10 votes, or I don't know if it's a lot of voters, but I know that that's a strategy people we'll talk about, that some yeah. like they'll cast their 10 votes to guys like... Josh Beckett. Or Raul Ibanez, or somebody who, who, who has... Those, yeah. yeah, who they want to keep on the ballot, which I don't know how much that matters, because if they got... I think it matters a lot, yeah. yeah. No, but if they're under 5%, are they really going to double and triple that? I mean, you saw it with Larry Walker. Larry Walker had, like... That was Less how many years half. has he been on the ballot? Like he's been. On that was this was last year. It was his tenth year. So I, I, I just don't really like that strategy. That and I know it exists. I just think, 
That, well, the thing is, it depends how strong the Hall of Fame class is because you think about it, you only get 10 votes, right? So Larry Walker's first year on the ballot, I don't know I don't know off the top of my head who got in that year, but it, there could have been, you know, five, six guys that got in that year. So that takes away votes from him. So then maybe he was down close to that five point at that point. Because he obviously yeah. wasn't a first ballot guy. I, just I, think I, I like it, actually. I, I, I'm going to disagree with you on that. I think that um, the way it is, in the, the way it's so hard to get in um, – at all, and then how it's nearly impossible to get unanimous, I think is perfect because if w- I think once one person goes unanimous, I think we're going to see more and more people start to get unanimous, and I don't, I don't know if I'd like that because then you're seeing guys who are... I don't know because it's like... Be I don't know because like, think about like the benchmark that creates though. Like, for instance, let's say Mike Trout, just make an example of the greatest player that I've seen in my life. Sure. Let's say he's the first unanimous... Then, like, going forward, you have to say that in order for someone else to be unanimous, they have to be as good or better than Mike Trout. Right. And that's saying a lot, you know? I think with with this Jeter thing, too, I don't think a lot of people are going to be unanimous now because now that maybe maybe that would have been the case had Jeter gotten in. That's what I'm I'm referring to, yeah. Okay, so now that he didn't get unanimous, the the gold standard is now Mo and everything below that. For pitchers, yeah. Well, for unanimous, so you have to dominate your position like that. So yeah. now that Jeter and Griffey both didn't get in unanimously, the unanimous name is sacred still, I'm saying. Yeah, I, and I yeah. like it like that. Like, I like that it's yeah. a seemingly, like, Impossible thing. thing. And, but then when somebody mm-hmm. does it, great. Do I wish Jeter was the one that first cracked it? Do I wish that the Yankees yeah, had the two only unanimous people ever? Of course. But Do you think Trout's yeah. going to be that guy? I don't know. I think they. I think in that case, I think there's always going to be that guy saying like, let's say he doesn't win any championships, he's going to have that qualm about him. Yeah. Like you know, he's he's that that's one writer is going to be like, no, he didn't win. I just think that like for right now, we're thinking first ballot Hall of Famer is like such as it's like the top honor. Like unanimous wasn't even a thought really um, mm-hmm. for a lot of for most players. So like now it's starting to become there's a new like level of how good you can be at as a Hall of Famer. Like, it used to be, like, first ballot's the best you can do, and now it's, like, we're getting so close to these unanimous guys, like Griffey was, like, getting close. Yeah. Where it's, like, well, now the new uh, highest tier is the unanimous Hall of Famer, and it's going to start becoming, like, yeah, being it's like a first a second ballot hall, Hall of like Famer a second once hall we get fame. a couple people doing it. And, like, I don't know if I'm here for that. I don't know. I don't like it. I mean, even yeah. Jeter handled it perfectly. He said, yeah. I'm in the Hall of Fame. This is the highest honor. I don't care about that one vote. And after he said that, I mean, obviously everybody was up in arms. I was one of the people tweeting, like, yeah. I want to be the angry mob, go find the guy. But now I really don't give a fuck. Like, I mean, Jeter handled it, handled it perfectly. Jeter, it's how Jeter handled it. If Jeter was pissed, we'd all, be, we'd all be rallying everything. behind him. But, like, but yeah, if not, he was so like, yeah. fuck that guy, find him for me, Twitter, I'd be on. I'd be like, yeah, I got you, Jeet. But <laughs> it, speaking of the way he handled the media, I think the one guy who asked him that really fucking stupid question, on his day, I'll play the clip I've ever recorded, so... This guy, I, I'll just play the clip, that's it. For all the success you had in two decades as a player and as a teammate, has it made it all the more frustrating what you're going through in Miami with the losing and the empty ballpark? And where would a title as CEO with the Marlins fit in alongside for you the accomplishments with the Yankees and the all? No, it's been a lot of fun down there losing. I think that, I mean, number one, <laughs> number one, he handled it absolutely beautifully because, I mean, just he joked about it. Everybody laughed after that. But, like, why do you ask that question on a, I on mean, a day that's I mean, that guy day? should be fired. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a day that's it's his day. You're talking about his achievements, not you've been losing a lot in Miami. How's that? Uh, yeah. yeah. I'd like to know what outlet this guy's working for. Because, <laughs> like, it just to come in at that Miami Marlins angle, like, he was probably, like, some sp- – I'm I'm totally <laughs> speculating. Like he could have been for the post for all I know, but like, I feel like he was probably from some like Miami kind of small time paper and was trying to get a little spin on his story where he talked about Miami Marlins or something. But he was kind of almost trying to stump Jeter on it, I think, and get him to say mm-hmm. some kind of like easily quotable line. And Jeter just did the perfect job of taking that and making it an easy quotable line. Yeah. But in like Jeter's taking this lately, and he's. You know, well, because after kind of that, thing. he went on to he, – he, I don't right. have that clip recorded, but he went on to say good things and say we took on a tough task in Miami, all that stuff. And, I mean, it's just Jeter being Jeter, handling yeah. the media perfectly. And I just – you, you got to believe that that guy literally sat down in his room before going – in his hotel room, but before he went to the press conference and was like, this is the best question I have. Like, the, I am going to ask Jeter this question. This is the one. Like, you, like he looked in the mirror and was like, yep. He's gonna love it. This is like, it. <laughs> like, if you're if you're going to talk to Derek Jeter, if I'm talking to Derek Jeter, I'm not saying that. I'm bringing my number one question. So you gotta believe that guy thought this was gold. Yeah. Yeah. Which is clearly not. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I guess yeah, that's ridiculous. But I think the last thing I want to say about the whole uh, this Hall of Fame class is that I want to give a shout out to Larry Walker because he deserved. Bob. Yeah, he deserved the Hall of Fame. Did you see the SpongeBob like, shirt. <laughs> What? You see his SpongeBob shirt? Yeah. I mean, the guy, like, like five-time All-Star MVP, like, seven gold gloves, like, three silver three slugger, three. batting champion, yeah, home three, run leader. Like, the guy should have been a lot earlier. Average. He's the epitome What's up? of it. Like, he had a 315 career batting average, too. Like, this guy was actually so far good. I don't know why. He was amazing. And, like, it's just like he was the most underrated. I mean, you can't – that guy should not be getting in the 10th the tenth ballot. That's in, all I'm saying. In the final hour. But – yeah, but I'm super happy he did, and shout out to him because he definitely deserves it. Yeah, and a lot of people were also thinking like, "Yo, I I wish Larry Walker didn't get in because that would be Jeter's day, him alone." Like that is the most re- disrespectful thing I've ever heard in my life. Like fuck they're they're people. not baseball fans; they just wanna like that's just the most ridiculous statement. Yeah. So I when I saw uh, who got in, like the I was just walking by my TV and I was you know m- making some dinner with my roommate or lunch or whatever and uh, I walked in and it just showed it didn't show who got in necessarily it showed the top five vote getters and before I read the headline I thought like those were the five that got in so I saw oh. I saw Ken Jeter Griffey. Larry Walker no no, no for, oh, just for this oh, year this I saw year. Jeter Larry Walker and then I Kurt saw Schilling. like I was Kurt Schilling and then Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and I was like holy shit, Barry Bonds and they Roger got Clemens it, got it. So I was like, <laughs> running around freaking out, and then I was like, yeah, yeah, and then I ran back in, and then it like had, after the fact, had highlighted uh, yeah. Jeter and Larry Walker as the two that got in, so I was kind of disappointed. But so like, with that with that being said, though, do you think we might see they were close. in the following year? They had 60, a little over 60% They were each. close. And they're the two headliners of the steroid era, so that's... that's they're, they're only getting more and more votes. I don't know how many years they had left, though. I don't, I don't it's know. not I think they're not they got I think they, they both have two. two both have two more what do you my question to you guys is do you think the steroid guys should get in will they ever get in like I, I, I honestly in my opinion I think that because I don't think Barry Bonds has come out and said anything yet like hey yeah, I cheated you know like A-Rod is open about technically it. he's never been he's never tested positive for anything technically so I think what he needs to do is I think to me in my opinion if he were to 
come out and say like yes I apologize make it a, whatever a public apology but I think that would get that because he's already getting sixty one percent of the votes that yeah. might get the extra fifteen higher than that was it sixty I don't it know six, it was sixty I don't like four yeah yeah I don't think that's really gonna do anything to be honest I don't think like I think it's way too late for that you know yeah. like. A-Rod did that during the season, then he came back and played again. Like so he I'm was still like, he was still think, playing. Do we think A-Rod gets in? I think of all of them. No, I retract that. I was gonna say of all of them, A-Rod would be the guy to get in, but I think Barry Bonds. No. You can't you can't I even tweeted it out and I wanted to stir the pot a little bit. I didn't I, I, I believe it. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame personally, in my I opinion. I do too. And I because too. He, I mean steroids or not, you played during a time that everybody did steroids, yeah. whether they got caught or not. So the competition level is there. Steroids or not, you give me steroids, I'm not getting seven MVPs. Yeah, no, you know seven many... MVPs is the unheard of. The most, the next most MVPs is three, and that's Mike Trout. You know how many guys were juicing up in Everybody. double in, in double A ball like, during the 1990s? Like their whole roster, they were, just pass, they were passing them out like sunflower seeds in a lot of. A Rod was taking gummies, like let alone. Eight, like let alone like everybody, like even guys like D Gordon were doing steroids. That was in 2014, but. I mean, that actually, that actually get, does you only everything. Get in trouble in, when it actually works. Yeah, he did it in 2014. It, it was so that's yeah. way outside the steroid era, which means like if guys like D. Gordon are doing that, then every good and their mother was doing it in the steroid era. Was D. Gordon steroids? Yeah, or was it just PED? I don't know if it was like steroids. I, I don't know. know. They, they have an MLB, I'm they have not an a scientist. That, I don't know the difference. They have an MLB the show card, and he's uh, at the 2014 D. Gordon, and that specific D. Gordon, and that's a steroid card, and it's nasty. <laughs> Yeah. But so, I, to you guys, here, you here's, here's my take on that. I think that um, I think that either Clemens or Bonds will get in on, the, on their final year of the ballot. That's my, my full prediction. Not both. I think one of them right. will get in. I think it's going to be Bonds. One of them. I think one of them on See, their I, final year of the ballot. I don't think both of them will. I feel, like they, I feel like I can picture because their their numbers are always so similar every year, and I feel like it's the same 60 to <laughs> 60 say percent of writers like I feel like the yeah. guys that vote for Bonds in are also voting for Clemenson and vice versa like I literally think but do you think guys, do you think that like hypothetically do you think that on their final year um and they're, they're the only two that would be able to get in do you think that the, the writers would have a hall of fame class that is just steroid users see and yeah, no that's true because it also yeah it depends how that's my thought the hall of fame that's, class that'd be kind of crazy that'd right. be kind of crazy like imagine the two hall of famers to get in are roger clemens and barry bonds there would yeah. be protests, and then it's like, like the steroid class that would, that would be like that would go down as like a yeah i'm gonna put, i'm gonna pick up this clip in two years and i'm gonna post it yeah right. i know when it happens <laughs> so here's the thing i was looking up the the bonds and clemens voting percentage and over the years and see if they increase or decrease over time and on, they've honestly been kind of sitting at the same. So I'll go back to 2017, and I'll, I'll count up. So in 2017, they got – Clemens got 54.1, and Bonds was below him at 53.8. Then what again, year is this? That was, 20, Sorry, was 2017. It? This is 2018 now. 2018, Clemens at 57.4, and then Bonds at 56.4. So they're moving together. And then Clemens again in 19 – Moved up a little, two more percent to fifty nine point five, and then Bonds fifty nine point one, and then twenty twenty. Now they got sixty point seven for Bonds, and Clemens got sixty one on the dot. So they're moving slowly, but it's not anything with Larry, like with Larry Walker. Larry Walker went from last year he got fifty four point six, and this year he got seventy six point six, and the year before that in eighteen. Wait, what? 
So Larry Walker uh, Walker wasn't even in the top ten. Yeah, the in twenty eighteen. And it's the lowest so of the, the top 10 the is Omar Vizquel. People really think about it more when it's the last yeah. year on the ballot. And that's what I was talking about with um, when we were talking back about Jeter and how Larry Walker like gets it. Like that, that's why it matters, the 5% thing, because I'm sure Larry Walker was somewhere mm-hmm. under 20% in like his third or fourth year. Yeah. In 18, he literally wasn't on the on the top 10 list, and the Omar Vizquel is 10, and he's at 37. So he's below 37 on this. Then he went to... Second to last year, he goes to 54.6 and then 76.6. So that's a jump. But in terms of the steroid guys, they've been sitting at exactly the same around, but gaining like 2% every year. So the guys who are steroid, four pro steroid Hall of Fame inductees, they're kind of not, they're, they're all the same. Like they're not, like not any new guys for the most part are like changing their minds. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't I don't see them I don't know how many more years of eligibility they have but I can look back and going back to I think whatever they're not on the no oh, matter, on that too no matter how many years they have I think once they get to that final year if they don't get in before that you're gonna see that spike that maybe not to the extent that Larry Walker had it but you're gonna see that you know that last year like hey like you know I think they're gonna that's gonna be yeah their highest whether they get and in or I, not and I feel like the people who like are on the ballot right now who got votes like. The ones below Bonds and, you know, Clemens, like, I don't really know if any of them are really, like, standout definites anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, if, if there's someone who comes on the ballot, you know, in the next two years, that's really going to be, like, get get those votes up. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's a good chance it comes in the next year or two. Yeah, and this was their, I just counted, this was their eighth year on the ballot, so they had two left. So, yeah. And yeah, I, yeah, I think I said that before. At this rate... I mean, we did see a huge increase because it, everybody knows it's their last couple of years, but at this rate, it doesn't look like they'll get in. But if voters do take into consideration their last, their final years, that then I think, I mean, we'll have a verdict in the next two years. Yeah, so, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah that's a nice sure. interesting to see. But that's enough yeah. of that, so. Alrighty then. That was enough talking about other teams. This is a Yankees podcast. Uh, so in other news... Uh, what else we got here? Oh, so let's let's still talk about Jeter a little bit. Because what what's our? Because I mean, why not? Because it's it's his it's his week. So he deserves it. He deserves, he deserves it. it. Uh, so we grew up watching Jeter. We're not exactly. Uh, we're, we're 22, so we we don't know a lot. Of, like we haven't watched. The, we weren't alive in we weren't alive in '96 and all that yeah. stuff. So take that with a grain of salt when you're listening to our favorite Jeter moments, because that's what we're gonna get into next. So Murphy, what's your favorite Jeter moment? So. My favorite one that I remember watching, like kind of remember where I was, was his three uh, thousandth hit in the home run. Um, but just I watched the highlight of the flip, yeah, like a hundred times before I turned the age of fifteen. Like I don't know. That, so to me, that's Jeter's best moment. But the, the one that I remember the most is the three thousandth hit. Yeah, and a lot of people, I mean, the flip was unbelievable, yeah. and it's also because it, it's what kept them in the playoffs. Like yeah. without that, then was this two thousand. I'm not exactly I, sure, right. but uh, like without the flip, then Mr. November doesn't happen. Right, it's the walk off because that then that's why the flip is so important. But again, for me, my favorite Jeter moment is mainly because I c- and obviously people are going to be up in arms about this, but and honestly, I think it's I posted it. I think it was the best one. His walk off in his final game as a Yankee in Yankee Stadium in classic Jeter fashion, single slaps it inside out to right field like. That I thought that was just like that, just like just is everything Jeter has done his entire career. 
last it's just storybook i think that's yeah. my favorite gino because yeah. i've seen it yeah. and not only just because i was alive for it but also because it was fucking sick <laughs> like what do you yeah. think damon well first going back to the flip i i don't know you probably guys saw you probably definitely saw the uh him going over the flip in the uh at the mlb studio um you see that he was like doing yeah. a breakdown of what he, he, like, his yeah, thought his process thought, of the yeah. flip it was so cool but like that just goes to show like he it's just like textbook shortstop mentality and it was just so cool to see him do a full breakdown of it if you haven't seen it yet go watch it um but yeah i know i cannot agree with you rel about favorite gmo which is because it was you know it was the time when like i was i remember what happened that like the yankees were down i think that game and I was like counting the uh, like the number of outs we had left and the number of hits and like people on base we had to get in order for, in order for Jeter get up again because I was like this can't be like his last at bat like he needs to do this he needs to do this and I remember the Yankees went down and I was like ah whatever so I'm like I think I went to get like food or something and I heard that he was up again so like I was driving around town and I tried to like go into like some bar and I saw it through the window of the bar. And it was the coolest moment ever. Like I saw him do it, like the whole place erupted. I was like jumping and crying, and it was so cool. But uh, yeah, you're probably yeah. like 17 years old at this point. <laughs> no, but that that's, <laughs> that's awesome. But and I, even I was asking Kev too what his favorite Jeter moment was, and or we we got in that conversation that he started telling me a story about like because he was actually supposed to be there for yeah. the 3000s hit, but he. He, he had the tickets available to him, but he didn't go because he didn't think Jeter would do it because he needed four hits that day. Yeah. So, and uh, I didn't watch the first half of the game. I, f- I found out, like, on Twitter or something, it was probably even Facebook since 2014, that he had that he had three hits and that he needed the one more. And then I tuned in yeah. and watched the home run. He, yeah. All right. So, here's my, my thought on that, too. So, like, I, I get the home run being the 3,000 hit is fucking awesome, but, like, that's uh, all right. I'm gonna preface this by saying, like, with with uh, in terms of sports being fixed, which obviously I'm not I'm not on that on that train. But it's like I'm, I'm saying it looks so storybook that it seems fixed to some people. Obviously, it's not. It's just sports, man. but yeah, I know it's just yeah. sports. It's crazy, but I feel like the home run thing on your three thousandth isn't as fixed as everybody's thinking. Like or pe- the people that are on that train, because if you're if you're going for three thousand. I'm swinging as hard as I fucking can to make it a yeah. home run. Like that's well, why yeah. he wasn't. He was wasn't he, he, he was like kind of mad that it was a home run or something? Because like logistically within the game, like I don't maybe not. I don't know. But even if that also that also was not a, a home run pitch to hit. That was in like, no. like down below that his knees, and he away. just like yeah. swept it. You know. And people forget too that A Rod's three thousand hit was also a home run. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but so I think I think it was also like so crazy that his last at bat was a walk off single and it was his iconic single through yeah, the first and second base gap like that was just like his iconic hit throughout his entire career and just so happened to be the walk-off hit yeah. it's just like it's too perfect for you not to appreciate that yeah, yeah. i know all right so that's that's our ode to jeter uh, our childhood hero growing up uh the next thing in other news recently actually the uh astros owner said that the team is going to apologize in spring training <laughs> and i think like first of all why even say this like, you guys first of all you should have apologized already that bregman shit was so fucking stupid like him saying the commissioner made his report i wish i had the 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 sound queued up but he said the commissioner everybody's seen it already but like 
the, the way they're going about this is the worst possible way. Like, their PR guys are the worst ever. And well, he's just saying that they're going to uh, announce their apology in spring training. Like, big fucking whoop. Yeah. You should have already. Yeah. What do you guys think about then, that? And then they were like, <laughs> then they're like, oh, yeah, it's not like we did it every game. I'm like, <laughs> fuck off. Game. Are you kidding me? Every home game, every playoff game. <laughs> No, no big deal. Yeah, they're like it's this like we did shit. it all the time. And and you got that other shit. I don't I don't have that queued up either. But when Altuve's basically giving the the Astros versus the world mentality, like he's making it like they're the victim. He's like we're gonna be in the World Series again next year. You can guarantee that. I don't know if he said guarantee, but he said we're gonna be in the World Series next year. Like fuck you. I have some serious qualms with how the Astros are just dealing with. Everything that's happened in the last, like, eight months, stemming all the way back to when their assistant GM made those really insensitive comments in the locker room about uh, Ozuna. Like, they, they ended up canning him, but, like, at first they were kind of defending him. Like, that was, I don't know, they, they just haven't been doing a lot right. When this comes out, you're supposed to, you know, release apologies and statements, and especially don't let Bregman go up and do yeah, what he that did. that was like, the worst fucking way to go You can't about announce this. when you're going to apologize, like, that doesn't seem right to me. I, it's just I don't not, know. It just seems like it's forced. It seems like you're not genuine about it because yeah. you're saying, oh, we're, we're going we're gonna to mm-hmm. make our apology. Even when he was reading that report when he fired uh, uh, the GM and, and Hinch, he was reading off a paper. Like, you're, you're, like, it's like that thing where you're like, oh, what's my lawyer telling me, telling me what to say? Like, this is what I'm supposed to say? Like, yeah. it's just like it's, nothing is genuine. They're not sorry. They're just a bunch of fucking scumbags. And mm-hmm. even, even you got Verlander now. Yesterday, this actually this morning we saw it or last night, and he's at the the baseball writers association dinner, and he made, he cracked a fucking a joke. He said, uh, "It's been a blast to be a part of this organization. Uh, you know, as of right now, they're very technologically and analytically advanced. That's not going to go over well." Don't <laughs> oh, fuck! Oh my god! Twitter is not going to have that. <laughs> fuck you, Verlander. Know, That's I just. I actually didn't hear that yet. At the meeting, yeah, this was like just just now, but at the meeting too, or he's speaking at a dinner. And after he said that, everybody erupted in laughter, and it was like, oh, good one, well played. And then he waited for them to finish, and then he continued his speech. Like, that is not going to go over well. I kind of I think it's funny. But, Dude, but you can't know. joke about it. It's like funny, that. but that's just like, it's just way too soon. Like, why, why are you doing that? Especially Come on, you should be better. If it was somebody other than Verlander, I'd probably be mad about it. Because he's, dude, I mean, Verlander is the police of. MLB Twitter, like, yeah, yeah. and he with hasn't the, said a word. Calls, he's yeah. got the burner accounts. That's probably Kate Upton. He's he's got all. He's, he's not. She's silent. And then now he says this shit. So like, it's just fucking yeah, stupid man, to me. Right. I think he's a fucking scumbag. They're all scumbags. Yeah, I mean, I think Bregman really pissed me off the most though. When when he was in his interview, yeah. it's Bregman and like, to the press. And that just yeah, I don't. Really, I like. I, I mean, other than they're, they're support, all they're all pissing like, me off. Other than run support, like. Didn't help. Like, it's not like they were doing, like, I don't know. The they're just, they're the just joking about really it now, you know? Verlander, oh, like, it doesn't affect the pitchers, which is why. Totally in the yeah. which well, why I'm not, like, not going to yell at Garrett Cole like, or something, yeah. yeah. But It's kind of yeah. weird that Cole isn't on that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But they're just all joking about it now, and they're yeah. like, they're just like, it didn't even happen. And they're just like, yeah, it's over. We're going to joke about it. You know, we're not really sorry. <laughs> and it's just ridiculous. I just think it's so funny that if this is the way they go about it this year, then they spin it as the Astros versus the world thing. I think that is the Oh, my God. I hate that. I hate that. I hate them. I hate everything I'll about buy them. Right in, I'll buy right into the Astros versus the world. I'll be their number one uh, but it, opposition. It, it literally is. Oh, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll be against them. But it is kind of – all right. They deserve it. 
but it is Astros versus the world because everybody fucking hates them. For the first time in history of baseball, we're the second most hated team. And for well, we're hated for a good reason. Let's go. We're hated for a good reason. They're hated for a bad reason. And well, I disagree. I think we're hated for a bad reason. They're hated for a good reason. Like, there's good reason to hate the Astros. Oh, no, but I, no I'm saying like, I like that we're hated for that reason. Not right. It's a good reason to us. It's a bad sure. reason. It, it, not the right reasons, I'm saying. And they... We're hated because we're good. Yeah, yeah they, and they're, they're going to hear it from every single team when they go to every single new city. They play every single game, every single post-game conference, every presser, every, everything. Every question is going to be about you cheating, and mm-hmm. you better have a damn good apology that's going to be in spring training because otherwise, I mean, even yeah. if they do have a good apology, what are you going to say that isn't going gonna, is gonna to make... These reporters not ask you questions about that. So I, I, I think I think what makes I think what makes this so much more like impactful and different than other scandals is that the players are so much more involved in the backlash yes. and the hating of the Astros. You know, it's like when people got called for taking steroids, like the, all the other players in the MLB were silent. They were just like, "Yeah, it's a fucking happens." You know, we do that. But like now, when everyone gets caught, when the Astros get caught doing the the sign stealing with the technology, they're just like, whoa, 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 whoa. And now, players getting behind it, and because the players are the ones speaking out about how frustrated and upset they are, it's like they're the ones that are really getting impacted by it. You know, they're the ones on the field, and because of that, I feel like it's just caused so much more of a uproar and all like a big like, you know hatred towards the Astros now. Fuck the Astros. I don't care. I don't care. I think what we need to do is, I don't know when exactly our first game in Houston is, but we should just have Brett. No, I'm (laughs) saying we should just have Brett stand in the corner of the locker room or in the corner of the dugout and just start wailing on the garbage can when they're pitching. (laughs) Just (laughs) to get in their head. Let's let's make that go viral. Let Brett bang, but have him bang the garbage can. Yeah. Just to get I don't know. Could you imagine being Verlander pitching and then just hear like three bags? I'd just be <laughs> laughing. Be so but, yo, but he has to be like blatantly <laughs> obvious in sight. Yeah, like no, in the exactly. dugout. Because like, like, otherwise like, then it's like sketchy. <laughs> but like we, I mean, we make sure it's away because like there's no way that, you know, we would have a camera in the Astros outfield. Like it'd be like yeah. a joke. Just I think it'd be them. funny. I, 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 I and want... it's like what they did in the in the playoffs with the pitch tipping. Like they were like pretending that they had the tip pitches, but we do it with Brett with yeah. the uh, with I the want, I want to stand the... out there, make eye contact, point at them, and be like, and just start banging like crazy. I think that'd be the funniest I thing in the world. Uh, yeah, that's that's enough. That's <laughs> enough oh, righty then. We're gonna keep doing that whenever <laughs> we start rambling on about something, just to change topics. Is that our, so seg- our segment that's break. Our new segue. So in other news. Well, fuck the Astros, but they MLB just Rob Manfred announced that the robo umps that we've all been hearing about are going to be put into place this spring training, and I I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. But so, and people who don't really know what they actually mean by robo umps, we wrote a we wrote a blog post or one of our writers Matt Barletta. He said in, in his words, quote. Because this is in the, in the midst of one of the most controversial scandals in sports history, in the history of the game, because of the technology and stuff like that. So what does the MLB do in response to this? Adding more mm. technology into the game, which very controversial to me. But uh, So he explained how this is going to work, and it's, the, it's not going to be a robot ump. It's, there's still going to be an umpire back there, 
and they're going to be using an elect- electronic strike zone. It's going to be used in the 2020 spring training games. He didn't go into much detail in the interview, but it's a system. If, it, if it's anything like what they used in the Atlantic League last year, um, what we can expect is a home plate umpire will wear an earpiece, uh, which mm-hmm. will receive the call for each pitch from a radar-powered system, and the umpire will then announce the call like he would normally, and there's going to be about a, a delay of about a second in between the pitch being caught and then the call being made. So you're still gonna ha- you're not gonna have R two D two like behind the plate, but I, I don't really like this. I, I mean, they're gonna be testing it out. They've been doing it in the Atlantic League, like we've said, and in all spring training games, we're gonna be see this firsthand because we're gonna be at spring training. We're not really mm-hmm. gonna see anything though because it's just a, a guy wearing an earpiece. So what do you guys yeah. think about Robo Umps? I just, I hope it doesn't happen. Um, uh, here's here's my quick thought: is that um, I think first of all, like. I think we talked about this in a couple episodes before. It's that like when the uh, like ESPN or you know Fox or whatever they put the uh, the strike zone on the TV so everyone can see. That was that was such a terrible decision because now everyone and their mother yeah. thinks they're thinks that they're umpire and they all have their own opinion and it like it just gives them more reason to be pissed off and it's just like I just hate that so much. I hate that so much. So. Uh, I'm all for more accurate pitch calling. I think like if it, I don't love it. I don't love how they're calling it robo umps or whatever. Um, but I think that if it's more accurate and it helps the umpire make a, a decision on a close call, um, I, I think that I'm open to seeing how it can be beneficial. But with that being said, I think they need to get rid of the the strikes on the TV if they're going to have that. Because if they have the actual strikes strikes and balls being called. And they're going to be more accurate to what people are seeing on TV. I think that's going to be even worse for the game. Well, so I think, I, I think that it's less of a factor if the strike zone's on the TV and we're getting perfect calls, because then they're going to be literally accurate. Like I think that's like it's it's worse off that we have that strike zone on the TV and then your the strikes are actually based off of what the umpire thought, because then there's going to be a discrepancy there. But if the zone is there and there's a perfect robo ump behind the plate or whatever it is. I think that's less of a like I I've, I have no qualms with that aspect I of it. Think I have qualms with them having the robo umps, but I think in terms of that, it I'm really, make I'm a really upset about the robo umps. I think it takes away certain skill sets for certain players, specifically pitchers and catchers, when it comes to pitching and catching. Like for example, framing is not going to be a factor at all anymore. Yeah. Like you could, great you point. Could, like at, like not even in the slightest. And having a good catcher that can frame it up, like. For example, Jorge was really good at that. And it just it's a skill set that's literally gone out the window. Don't have to worry about it anymore. And and, and catchers really like that. take that skill set to the league. Yeah, and that's, that, and that's like, part of the reason yeah, they get they get exactly. there. Exactly. And like that it, it separates catchers. Like at the younger stages in spring training and even at even in college, stuff yeah, like that. Framing like, is something that's a really important thing. Are you a good framer or not? And it's gone. Yeah. And uh same with pitchers, just with their deceiving pit like with deception on their pitches, you're fooling a batter, sure, but you're also kind of fooling an ump a little bit. Like, if your cutter comes in back door and a good frame, 100%. Like it could be outside, but it's a strike, and it looks like a strike. Yeah. It should be a strike, I but agree. then all, you're going to be losing a lot of, like, really good pitches that, like, paint the black, so to speak. Mm-hmm. A lot of the pitches that we say paint the black don't actually technically touch the black. It just looks like it touches the black because it's a really good pitch. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. That's a great point. I, I, great really, point. I really hate that, that that's going to be gone. And and I also I watched some Atlantic League highlights and like there were these curveballs that were balls. So if you have like this twelve six kind of like Kershaw type curveball or like a Roy Oswald type curveball, um, 
the it could technically hit the front right corner bottom little end zone because it's like a three D thing. It's not like a box. It's like a full, you know, polygon or whatever. Um, <laughs> good, good vocab. <laughs> but uh, so like there was a ball that was literally in the dirt in the Atlantic League, and the guy got punched out on it because it was technically a strike. What and, about like, what about um like um the the size of the strike zone? Like how is that going to be changed based on the batter? Well, that's the thing too, because yeah. the the part that I like about regular umpires is that regular umpires have their own zone, and a part of the game as a pitcher and a batter is figuring out what their zone is that day, and it's a mental thing. It's a it's a game within a game. It's literally mm-hmm. them yeah. trying to figure out their zone. So that day, you're and that's why you, and you play, play you play to the up. Yeah, and that's yeah. why you ha- you you have players asking them like the conversations after they get a sh- they get punched out on a bad pitch like where was that and was then that, you're, was you're, that low was that high as a hitter is different and then as a pitcher it's different based on the umpire yeah and that, I think gone. that part of the game if this ends up being in real in in MLB it's just another thing that's eliminated and it's the human element of the game is now eliminated and that is a huge chess match of baseball mm-hmm. it's figuring mm-hmm. out what the, yeah, yes there's going to be blown calls. But we're also humans, and this is a part of the game. Like, uh, like there, there are times where technology can come into play here, and I think, like, in tennis, they have uh, two of the science, like when the ball's in or out. And I think that's something with the foul balls or something. That yeah, I'm fine with. Because sure. if something's foul or fair, like, it's hard for a per, uh, like one of the field dumps to catch the ball if it, to see if it went fair or foul, mm-hmm. if it's down to the millimeter like that. So I think that is something identical to what tennis does because they Mm -hmm. zoom in and they show where the mark is and if it's in or out that's fine that's good with me because then you know what's fair or foul and everything like that but in terms of the every that's an every pitch like thing that is now taken away at all i i mean in spring training i won't care that much but if this like becomes fully implemented in the mlb i'm gonna be really really disappointed they did the replays when they started doing the replay i was kind of upset about the replay and then once they started doing the challenge i got that that was a little more like the fact that you can challenge a call and they don't review every single call yeah. I, li- I like that i can live with that i think they've implemented replay really well into the mlb yeah uh in hindsight mm-hmm. but this is way too much i don't way like that. too much i don't yeah. like how they're trying to change the game for the benefit of trying to like grow the game. I, I like growing the game in new countries, doing whatever the hell you're going to do. But if you're going to change the game to try and appeal to more people because it's too slow or whatever, like the new rule. This is going to slow it down. Yeah. yeah, but the new rule where they're implementing the, you can only, you have to face three batters and stuff like that. What, like, a, what if the, what too, if it breaks? Like, what if it breaks? Is the game going to stop? <laughs> no, then the has got to actually call it. Well, yeah, what, like, what, if, what if the technology though. breaks? It's just a phone call. It's like, he has an earpiece in. I'm just saying, technology breaks. Whether they're gonna stop the game? Yeah. What if he gets? What if he takes a foul ball off the AirPod and it gets jammed yeah. in his ear? <laughs> He's got AirPod. No, that's literally. I'm pretty sure that's actually what they use in the Atlantic League, though. Like, I'm pretty sure AirPods. they actually used AirPods. Yeah. The I could be wrong, but I'm like fairly sure that. Are they AirPod Pros? Yeah. Like, what if the signal goes out? You know, like shit happens. Yeah. No. I. I you I, know. I think we're all on the same boat here, and the yeah. majority of people. But like, I, actually, I have seen that some of the players want robo-ohms because of that reason but i don't i don't think they actually I'm want sure it. they're not pitchers <laughs> yeah i i don't think they are but i mean yeah I, but also yeah who, I, I guess no, none of those players really know how it's going to go down yet though they're just saying they want it, but they haven't experienced it yet so yeah. this probably be that first taste of it but i have seen that people are literally saying that 50, it's 50 50 split almost i haven't put out a poll or anything but like fans don't want to see it some players do and that bothers me i don't think they actually want it i think they're just 
in the moment when they get a bad call, they're fed up with it. Yeah. They're like, I want robo arms mm-hmm. now, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. like, I just want to know how, how it went over in the Atlantic League. I want to I want to know what some of these players that played in the Atlantic League thought of it. I want to know what the uh, managers thought of it. I want to, like, uh, there's so many things that go into it. I can't imagine that it went over that well in the Atlantic League. Well, yeah, and we'll find yeah. out now because, I, I, I mean, the real players are going to be using this system in spring training. So, like, that's a good way to test it out because it really doesn't matter that much. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I just really hope it doesn't happen. And that's, yeah, that, that's all I have to say about that. Alrighty then. Next topic. But, but if you want to go check out the whole story, we did write a whole blog about it. So, you know, go yeah. go yeah, check yeah, it out on the website if you want to read more. Plug our blogs there. Thanks, Matt. But uh, in other news, Hap was just named as the fifth starter by Brian Cashman. I mean, mm. this is kind of something that we already knew was going to happen. Like, I mean, it was either him, it was him or Montgomery, and then Domingo when he comes back, whatever happens with him. But, like, you know, I mean, Hap, Hap is somebody that's been good. He's been really good. I don't want to say really good, but he's been consistent, What not in the playoffs, but, like, he, he, he was one of the more consistent pitchers last season, and a lot of people overlook that. Yeah. And he's one of the, definitely one of the most underrated ones, a left-hander, which helps out the rotation. We got Cole's a righty, we got Seve's a righty, then we Tanaka's got Paxton, Tanaka's a righty, then we got Paxton and Hap now. So we kind of got a good, good split there. Yeah. So I don't know how much you, you guys care about that, but in my opinion, I thought this was expected. Uh, I don't know if you guys had any different opinions, whether like Montgomery or whatever. But mm-hmm. well, I just uh, go ahead, Murph. I just want to know kind of how. Um, like set in stone this half fifth starter thing is because we just realistically have no idea what Montgomery's capable of really now. He had a really good rookie year in 2017. He proved that he could How pitch in the majors, really but he's though. been out for a rookie. He had a better than half. He's better than half. Yeah. Than Hap. <laughs> and then, but granted, he missed a year and like that's tough. So I think probably depending on his spring, he's probably going to start in AAA, but. I don't know how long until he comes up, and then when he comes up, how do we go about it? There's talk of, like, a six-starter, and then what happens when Herman comes back? I think yeah. that the, I like Hap as the fifth starter right now because I think that we're going to try to deal him at the deadline, and I think he's going to be a piece that's going to fit well in a trade deal if he does well as the fifth starter. So if he finds himself, like, you know, six and three in July, like, he could get dealt. Yeah, and that, yeah, actually I think that, that that was exactly what I was gonna say, Murph. I think literally word for word, I was exactly what I was gonna say. Um, Sorry, but I guess so. Only uh, <laughs> only to add on to that. Um, yeah, I think like if there is a fifth starter, Hap is the clear um, person for that. Um, but like, how often is he really gonna pitch? You know, like how many times is he really gonna come up and start? I don't know. Um, and also, it also again depends on how Montgomery looks if he comes up. You know, dealing again, he's going to come up and probably take that spot away. Or maybe half goes to the bullpen again or, you know, gets yeah. traded away. But, yeah. I mean, we're not getting to DMs right now, but we did get a we'll, – we'll use this one right now because it, it relates. But one of the questions we got was should the Yankees potentially use a six-man rotation? That was from CJ Mencho. I don't know <laughs> if he wants me to do his at, but whatever. But uh, I initially when I saw this, I didn't really – really buy into it at all and, and nobody does that so i was like why why would we do a six-man rotation but murphy had a different different take on that so if yeah you take that one i don't know necessarily i don't th- let me preface this by saying i don't think that we're gonna do a six-man rotation I, I don't i don't see that happening at all but to play devil's advocate a little bit and to kind of ponder it there are some pros to it i mean you know how we struggled so much last year with injuries and if you're giving people an extra day's rest you know 
you're going to prevent injuries. I just kind of think maybe some kind of hybrid six starter would work. Maybe like have Montgomery and Hap kind of go every other. And then if you know you're on that many more days rest, you can maybe go into the eighth inning if you're pitching well and not worry as much about pitch counts, that kind of thing. So like there are some positives to it, but I, I don't know if it's going to really work. What out. about, I mean, I think six starters not going to happen. That's I think never that's, happened before. Yeah, it's never yes, really that's never happened. Um, also like timing wise, spot, like I'm I don't thinking. think that's going to, be relevant or even come up in the situation. Even um, spot wise, you, like, yeah, that, I don't think the there's reason a spot I think, for I think we're, we might see some certain teams maybe do that. Uh, maybe but what about don't have an ace? We do see the game yeah. changing a little bit with like the opener. So this isn't isn't like entirely out of the question okay. because it's kind of like running back by committee sort of thing. But like, I I don't like it for the reason that because we have. we have prominent pitchers. Like, why why are we pushing Garrett Cole back an extra day? I see, I knew you were going to mention that. I was yeah. waiting for you to say that. Yeah. Because like, that's the biggest negative, is that we're negating Cole. We're, get, we're going to take I away three or four Cole's I want him every fucking third day. I want him every day. <laughs> like, All right. Sure. Yeah. That doesn't matter. But now, but now what about, like, um, I don't know what your guys' thought on this, thoughts on this, but let me know. It's like, what about the whole bullpen days now? Like, we had so much success with that last year. Yeah, yeah. we did. I mean... We talked to that. We were talking to Scott about that, and he, he kind of brought to light something that I didn't even think about. Uh, like with the bullpen days and the success and that stat, you see that we it's like, oh, we're 25 and 0 in bullpen days, but because mm-hmm. that he was saying like that doesn't really tell the whole story because he only pitches in innings, so like that doesn't he didn't do anything but the first inning, so like it's kind of and it, I don't really that's how Herman got half his wins, <laughs> yeah, exactly because he was the guy who piggybacked off him, but I don't, I don't really like I mean, we don't need the bullpen day anymore, we, we use the bullpen day. Because, at like out of need, we were hurt. Everyone mm-hmm. was hurt. We were hurt yeah. everybody. And who knows? Maybe we'll get injuries, and that could happen. But it, it, I actually don't think it'll ever happen, even with injuries, because we have guys like we're we're, we're currently talking about adding a six starter. We're never yeah. going to need yeah. a bullpen day. That's no. just and realistically on at face value. Chances are that somebody's going to get hurt. Montgomery's going to come up. Half could be gone before Herman gets back. Like you never really know. But all Probably I do is, know yeah. is that if you include Debbie Garcia into this. Not as being like a seventh star, that's not what I mean. But in terms of who we have to come up if we find ourselves in rotation trouble injury wise, we have Montgomery can come up. When Herman's back, we have Herman. And then MLB Pipeline has Debbie Garcia at what, 92? 92. And his pro- he's projected to come this year. Um, because you saw it the, said the 2020. ETAs. And the ETA, it was, and same with uh, Clark Schmidt. Same thing. Both Clark Schmidt and Debbie Garcia were projected to come up to the MLB in 2020. And then. Uh, Jason Dominguez That's is 2024 20, because he doesn't even have his driver's license yet. <laughs> but like he's got to learn his know, permit. They, they're guys that could come up. We might not need him to come up. We might not have a spot for him. Maybe yeah. they'll be up or down here or there out of the bullpen. But they could if, if yeah. shit hits the know, fan. I don't know a lot about Clark Schmidt. Do you know it, what, what I, position I, is he? He's a pitcher. Oh, okay, he's a reliever, or is he a starter? Um, that I'm not 100. percent I don't sure. really know. I, I mean, obviously, I know the big two are here with Debbie Garcia and Dominguez. But yeah, we'll get into that later. But yeah, that's that's enough out of that. I mean, do you have anything? Yeah. Any of the closing comments there, Damon, about good old J-Hap? No, I was just gonna say that if everyone stays healthy, which I hope it does, like I don't think he's ever gonna pitch, but <laughs> um, Who, you know, obviously. Or Devi. what? What do you say? Who's never gonna pitch, J-Hap or Devi? I mean, Devi, but also like you know, I think, know, I think that yeah, I think if everyone stays healthy, which I hope they do, like there's no need for a bullpen day or anything, and if. Yeah, you know, obviously shit happens, but you know. Yeah. Uh, in other news. Oh, righty. That's <laughs> getting a little annoying. I feel like I'm gonna get to do that a little too much. We might yeah, stop that bit. Relax. Yeah. But uh, in other news, um, 
a, a lot around the league right now is the the Arenado talk, and mm-hmm. I mean clearly there's there's outrage with him. Like he does not want to be in Colorado. He he's yeah because the GM th- literally said he they were open to shopping him and everything like that, and he came out after that and said I'm not quoting anything, but he said although something along the lines of if you want to trade me, then trade me. Like get, uh, he wants out. And yeah, and then I think I have the quote right here. It says, quote, um, there's a lot of disrespect from people there that I don't want to be a part of. Um, and then he, like, said, you can quote me on that. He said verbatim, like, you can quote me on that? He said, you can quote me on that, That's yeah. Crazy. It's, it's, I don't blame him for any of this. I don't blame him at whatsoever. He, he, he's he signed Colorado, an extension. Who's, he did, I, I was surprised that he signed the extension in and of itself. But he's stuck in Colorado, who doesn't have even close to the pitching to make playoffs Make a playoff run, at least, like they, and it's always been that way. And like, so I just don't see him having any success in Colorado. And he's at the point in his career where he can pretty much pick where he wants to go. Um, based, uh, he's it, one of the best players you know, in the baseball. He's, he's, he might be the best infielder in, in baseball. One hundred percent. I, I, um, I think that's true. I think he's top. I put him top five. I don't know where the rankings lie, but yeah, player in I baseball. He's in, I just he's in think I just think he's in a spot where he he can do that and he should do that. Although I'm kind of upset that San Diego's in on it because I don't know where they're getting this this kind of cash flow or anything like that, but they they just kind of have everyone. I, I guess they do have the prospects to deal and and whatnot, but they have a, they have a lot of prospects to the point where they can make a good package. Do you think Tatis would be a part of that? No, Tatis is untouchable. I, I think so too. I mean, just see saying. the weird thing to me about because and this applies to everything with the trade rumors because there's obviously the Lindor and Mookie and I don't know how. Those yeah, Mookie is the other one they're in on. Yeah, I don't know how, how much those are, gonna, how, how if that's going to happen this year, if it's going to happen at all. But with the trade packages we've seen in the past, and and I think I want to preface this by saying I, the Yankees are not going to be involved in a, a trade for Arenado. Like we, we don't have no, the there's need. no point. We don't have the need. We honestly don't even really have the prospects anymore. The one that we're willing to give up because we're not going to give up Dominguez. The only one we maybe we only have three in the top 100. So I, I, we're not going to. We're, we're set. We're, we're set. We're, I don't need anybody else. Good. We're All set. All our prospects are in the majors. <laughs> we got Glaber Torres. We got Miggy. All that stuff. Or they're shipped. Or they're Sheffields exactly. of the world. That can so be. for those of people that are trying to see if we can get Arenado, it's not going to happen. But things we've seen, I want to talk about just trades as, as, a, in, as a, in general. Uh, we've seen that you don't really have to give up a lot for a trade, especially for a premier player like that. And that is in part due to the contract, and we've seen that with Stanton. Like Stanton, we gave up a bag of balls for, yeah. and we gave up Starlin Castro, and then somebody I don't even remember what the trade was, but that's due to the contract because a lot of people don't want to take on the contract. And I think it's interesting to note, obviously Stanton. Is, I, honestly, it's not even that different from Arenado. I think Stanton had more value because he came off an MVP year the mm-hmm. prior year. So I think you actually ha- would give up less for Arenado than Stanton because Stanton is coming off. An enormous MVP year, fifty-seven bombs. Yeah, Arenado is yes, he's one of the most premier players in the league. But Sen was literally the premier player of the year that he was traded. Yes, the contract mm-hmm. is thing, but also Arenado just got an extension. So but his what was Arenado's extension compared to Stanton? Is the only thing because if his contract's less, then they're probably gonna well. Stanton was more. making how much per year? He's making three twenty-four over. I think it's like twenty-five million something. a year. Yeah. So Arenado's two sixty. And how much is that per year? Uh, whatever two sixty divided by eight is. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's thirty two. It's thirty two. Wow. Good math, 32. 
32 so, and a half. So he's making more money than Stanton was per year. I don't know how, because it's obviously, it gets sometimes divvied up and more per in different years, whatever. But it's a very, uh, the more I talk about it, the more it's like very much the same sort of thing. I think you don't have to give up much for him. So I don't know. I just think in terms of all these teams that are looking to get him, if he wants out, I really don't think you have to give up too, too much. I think the, like you give up a lot in terms of, like signing a player because it costs a lot of money, but in terms of trades for current talent, yeah. I think people are, are prospect hugging a lot now. So it's just like, mm-hmm. well, I think it seems like the Rockies will be prospect hugging, but I also think they know what they have in Arenado and what his trade value is to a team, especially like the Padres. And I think whatever trade they make seems to be mutually beneficial. Um, but it, sorry, you're distracting me. Here's they're, what, they're here's gonna what I have to say about San Diego. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> yeah, so as I was saying, um, going... Before you were rudely interrupted by Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Um, shit. I think it's going to be... It, the trades that we see, like the sand ones, it doesn't seem like you're giving up a lot because we don't recognize this, the prospects involves name right away, necessarily, so we might not exactly know who it is, but I think that the Padres are going to be having to give up a lot of their premier prospects if they're trying to mm-hmm. land an Arenado. And also probably yeah. going to have to give up a few picks. Yeah. Like, and I feel, like, I feel like a lot of these teams are not even going to be, like, uh, willing to do that for not in a, a win-now mentality. You know, like, why am I going to give up all my prospects for Nolan or Arenado if not in a win-now or next couple of years, you know? See, the Rockies mm-hmm. are such an anomaly to me. And I know why they're bad, because their pitching is the worst in the league. But their offense is so yeah, fucking the- good. They have Trevor Story, who is literally mm-hmm. probably one of the best shortstops behind Lindor in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless proven otherwise, but and this Tatis and all that, but rega- I mean, they have Blackman. So, yeah, their offense is top five, and their pitching is top five worse. So like, that's why they're so bad. And, well, it also makes sense. Like they're not going to invest a lot of money in pitchers because number one, they don't have the salary cap to invest a lot of money in anybody, and number two, like investing in pitchers in Colorado is really counterproductive because, I mean. It, Sounds a little ridiculous, but the air's thin out there. Like, a pitcher's not going to, A, want to go there, and, B, if they do go there, they're not going to thrive there. So yeah. they, they have, it, it, like, makes sense why their team's built and how it is and why they don't have the pitching. But when you're Arenado, you got to sit back eventually and realize, like, yeah, not yeah. going to Yeah, and it, it sucks because, like, you know, like, this, like, Arenado wouldn't sign an eight-year, $260 million extension he if he didn't want to, want to be there for the long right. run. Yeah. But then when and then, like, the year out, after, they're just trading him. You yeah. know, it's like, that's that sucks. Why, that's why, in his case, I'm, I'm so. with him, because you just sign an extension, you want to be there, clearly. You sign an eight-year extension, whatever the fuck it is, and then you get rumors of trades. Like, fuck you guys. I would want out, too. And in his case, like, I mean, you got a guy, your offense is clearly there, but... In terms of winning games, clearly I think they're below 500, and like the team as a whole, like you got a package up, a bullpen, uh, the starting rotation, all that stuff. They're nowhere near, like they're nowhere near a place where they should have a guy like Arenado. Like the trade makes sense in their perspective, you know what I mean? Like you have such a, a top tier talent, and why not? Like if you're in franchise mode or something, you break that talent up into more players so story's young too Arenado's also young but if you have a va- guy with that 28 much value, yeah if you have a guy with that much value i think as a franchise it makes so much sense to get rid of him so you can get a big haul back right now and 
Yeah, I mean, for, for the Rockies' sake, I'm just rationalizing why the trade could happen because it, 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 at first with all these guys like Mookie and Lindor and Arenado, it seems kind of like a long shot. Like, oh, yeah, they'll get traded. But I feel like it actually is way more likely than mm. we think. And it, this also doesn't have to happen in the offseason. It could happen at the trade deadline. And I've been in conversations with Matt where he was saying he didn't. He thinks that you have more of a return as the selling team at the deadline. I don't really think that's the case for me because... Well, you're going to get more... If they trade Arenado at the deadline, they're going to get a lot more for them than if they trade him now. Yeah, but and I think that's what yeah. Matt's trying to say. My my, yeah, I, that does make sense. But my argument was that you're going to have less suitors because they're only going to be the ones that are in the playoff race. You know, what I mean? right? But those ones, those are the ones who a want them anyway. The Padres yeah. and the Red Sox who are trying to get back into the co- get back into like a, um, a contender. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. when if they're being a contender at the deadline and like they're you know say the Red Sox are second in the AL and they're like. They're going to keep Mookie, obviously. They're going to keep Mookie, but if they're sitting at the bottom of the AL and then the Padres are up at second in the uh, in the West, they're, they're going to deal Mookie. And I don't want them to deal Mookie. <laughs> I, I like. I, I mean, as much as I want the Red Sox, I don't want to the be Red bad, Sox to have all the Padres prospects. That too, but as much as I want the Red Sox to be bad, I like having them be a the little bit good. Like, so I love when the Red Sox are second. Baseball's better. Yeah, when they're second Nothing in the better. AL. Yeah, <laughs> no, but like baseball is so much better when they're good and the rivalry is big. Like I don't want. I mean, and they'll still be good this year. We're all making yeah. fun of them, being like, "Yo, like the Red Sox suck." They're like, well, I mean, yeah, they're in a little bit of a turmoil with with Cora, but like they're still gonna be good. They had a rough year, but they. Have I a good think roster. they're gonna be right there with the Rays. The Rays are gonna be very good if this kid that's coming up is gonna be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that kid too. They get so, the number one uh, pipeline prospect. Yeah, I think that's enough of. Talking about other teams, we, we keep going on a tangent. I mean, it's a, it's in it's the so, offseason, yeah, it's, it's a around the league. Thing. It's all affected. It's all, yeah, it's it all relevant. Us, yeah. So, uh, Murph actually t- uh, was saying something about uh, the whole the, the reason why we got Cole and how Pettit was a huge Yeah, part so of that. there was a New York Post article that I read uh, yesterday just uh, referring to Andy Pettit and how we all knew that he was like a part of getting Garrett Cole, um, but there was. He was kind of just brought on to get Garrett Cole. He was Garrett Cole's favorite player growing up when he was a Yankees fan and all that. And just at the bottom of the article, um, Pettit kind of said how he pitched Garrett Cole. And he said, if you want to win championships now, New York's a spot for you. And that, I think, and what the article uh, implied is that that kind of stealed the deal. And if we didn't have Pettit in our corner while trying to get Cole we might not have gotten him. We might have lost out on him. Yeah, and, I, and we even looked like he wasn't even a part of the organization. He just... Uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely, like, a special assistant or something, but, like, he doesn't have, like, a front office gig, as far as I know. Like, he, he was... He's a silent like, guardian. Yeah, he was, like, a... I mean, it worked. He was, like, a gun for hire on getting... Yeah, that was uh, sick. Derek Cole. I mean, if, if you're him, though, and your favorite player growing up was Andy Pettit, like, in, even when he's the kid in the, in the outfield with that sign... Yeah, and his favorite player growing up was Andy Pettit. And if if A Rod walked to the door and said you should sign with the Yankees, he'd be like, "Okay, okay, thanks, A Rod." <laughs> and then, but like you walk into the room not expecting Andy Pettit, and then all of a sudden you walk in there and your childhood hero mm-hmm. is right there. Yeah. That carries some weight. Like yeah. that, he as even he's an old man, like not an old man. He's an adult now, and I think that's still like I would still be starstruck. We're getting starstruck over Jason Dominguez, who's sixteen. I'm twenty two, so speak for yourself. <laughs> I mean, you also are. Don't like the <laughs> but, yeah, I thought that was cool that the Yankees went out and did that. Yeah, and it's a lot more impactful, I think, you know, for yeah. sure. In other news with um, 
I know we talked about this with Keith when he was on the podcast, but uh, with Miggy, it's interesting to see where they're trying to. We talked about before how he, him potentially being an outfielder, mm-hmm. but I just think I, I didn't initially agree with that. I, I, I just didn't see Miggy out there. He's yeah, he's an athlete, so he can probably try it. But uh, I saw, I mean, people are talking about the first base thing. People are just, and, and I agree with all this because it's just figuring out new ways to get Miggy in the lineup somehow, get mm-hmm. his bat in there. Yeah. Whether and that's not just being a DH because obviously he'll DH also. But that's a that's a bat. Like he's got a bat, and the more ways you can try and get his bat in the lineup, whether that be because it's a 162 game season, right. so there's going to be people who get hurt one who you rotate around, who some guy plays first one day, give other guys rest, who are the everyday starters. You're going to have moving parts. Last year, because of injuries, but also because it's baseball, mm-hmm. we didn't have the same lineup every single day. Like, there's a new guy, new lineup literally. We hardly day. had the same lineup twice the whole year. All, all year. Mm-hmm. Like, whether that be fucking Tyro Estrada and, like, uh, who, Bravik Valera, all these guys. But... That's still going to be the case this year because the lineups change every day, and I think it's a good idea, and I'm starting to buy into it more. And, and I, this conversation begins because Boone actually said that in spring training, Miggy's going to be playing outfield and trying out new positions like second and first and stuff like that just to see if he can do it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see if it works. Yeah. It not I mean, that, yeah, I think that, um, you know, Cashman said that, Third bases are still a spot to lose. Yeah. And, you know, and I think it's it's so true. He's definitely earned that right. And the fact that they are trying to figure out and, you know, have Miggy play in a couple of different positions just proves that they want him around. They want to keep him around. They want him in the lineup somehow. Um, but, you know, obviously, third base is a lot preoccupied with Gio. Yeah, I think there are two ways to look at this, and I kind of can't really decide what team I'm on. The first way is kind of what Rella said, that his his bat needs to be in the lineup every day and, you know, test him out at first and test him out on left as it gives us kind of, uh, you know, options as to where to, how to plug him in the lineup and stuff like that. And then the other side is that, you know, spring training is a full month where you just kind of lock in and work out your kinks. Training. He's got a lot of kinks at third base that – if you're putting him at first and you're putting him in left, you're taking away from kind of developing his fielding at third, which is almost going to kind of leave him on an island where he's not going to have a position where he's comfortable. Um, and then he's going to have to DH. And then that way you're almost limiting him. So, you know, I I, I don't know. It, it's tricky. He's going to have to put in a lot of work in spring training regardless, though, I think. Yeah. yeah, but I'm I'm so excited to see what it is, though, because yeah. like, I'm so I'm excited so. to see him play different positions and, been, and see if it's been, possible. He's been posting, you know, videos and stuff like that. He's been grinding all off season anyway. Yeah, yeah, so, I believe I mean, it. I don't really buy into those videos as much. They look like routine I'm just plays. Saying. But yeah, I you mean, know he's working. I mean, yeah, it's he's effort. Gonna, he's he's showing effort anyway. Like, he's not. He wasn't. He was always doing that. But I mean, yeah. I, I just like the idea that, like, the, the flexibility there. Like, you're so good at hitting that. Yeah, maybe we could try. Yeah, I mean, if they're literally like we said before, if they're throwing Clint out there in left field. Fuck it. <laughs> he can't, he can't play one position yet, so, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Miggy, and, I mean, granted, he's a young player, too. And Clint could get better also, so we never know about that. He doesn't look like he shows any signs of being better. But regardless, I think I, I, I love the idea of trying Miggy out in any position that works. I mean, 
yep, guys like Tyler Wade who play a lot of positions outfield infield. We've seen it happen before. So not everybody's yeah, Tyler he can't Wade. he can't hit for not shit though. Not everybody's Tyler Wade though. So I, I just love the idea. I think we uh, yeah I think yeah yeah. So that that wraps it up for me with the art with our topic. So we asked for your DMs. Let's get into the you DMs. You guys answered. So let's get into those. Our first DM comes to us from Stephen Leonardi. He's a new writer, actually, so shout out to him. Uh, He said, we would love to hear you guys discuss which uh, of the more role-type players you think will be an unsung hero this year, that being including guys like the Fords, Wade, Frazier, Higgy, Talkman, etc. What do you guys think? Uh, So I am obviously a big Tyler Wade fanboy. Um, I'd love to see him, you know, come up and be that guy and stay up and get at bats and stuff. But realistically, I think he's going to have a difficult difficulty finding his way into the lineup. So I'm going to go with Mike Ford. Uh, I think he and Voy are going to be in this kind of uh, contra- like not controversy, but this competition for first base and for at bats and for innings and stuff like that. And I think they're both going to mutually benefit from that. And I think Ford's going to step up and uh, maybe start to slide into a DH role. Um, or be in a pinch hit role because he's a lefty, uh, that kind of thing. I think he's going to be really useful. Yeah. Uh, my personal one, and honestly, he mentioned Talkman. I think Talkman's not uh, an, like an unsung hero role type player. I think Talkman's going to be arguably possibly the starting the starting center fielder, left fielder. I think the center field job could be his. And I, I think he's just going to have a huge role. So that I'm, I'm that's my answer, but I'm not going to use that because he's not a role player to me. I think the biggest role player that I think is going to have an impact this year is going to be Higashioka because Higgy, we've seen Gary gets hurt a lot. So with, so with that being said, Higgy being the backup, we saw last year that Romine had an enormous impact on the team. Like Romine was one of our most consistent guys. Whenever his number was called, he just answered the call. Like he mm-hmm. would hit walk off home runs. He would hit walk off singles. He would get a hit when it mattered. He was batting like three hundred at some point. I think. That, with him leaving, obviously he's on the Tigers now, uh, and good for him too because he gets a contract, but with him leaving, I think that, and with the durability that we've seen of Gary, he's not going to get 162 games, so with that being said, Higgy's going to get a lot of time at catcher, and I think mm-hmm. Higgy is one of those guys who's just like, he's, he's shown that he can do it. Like he, He's always, last year there was that stat also that he was lumped in with Romine, and they were talking about who, like them together, them their combined stats. They would always do so well. So like Higgy to me is, and this is leads into why they got rid of Romine, or why they felt comfortable doing it because they would have had to pay him like a starting catcher salary, which is what yeah. he got on, on the Tigers. And he he's just like an itch that they want to scratch. Like he want we want to figure out if Higgy can be he's that Romine. guy. He's a young guy. I don't know. I don't really know exactly how old he is, but I know he's not old. And Romine's a little older, so I, I, that's. In long, my, my pick. I think Higgy gets a lot of a lot of reps because Gary is not very durable at all. As much as we yeah. love, we love Gary, and Gary looks fucking slim as ever right now. You guys he looks he looks fantastic. He looks, he looks great. So maybe that plays into his durability. But I mean, nobody plays the whole season. That rarely ever happens, especially and, especially at catcher. At catcher exactly. Mm-hmm. So I mean that they go through so much the day in day out. Whether it's even bullpen sessions too, they're catching people. It's just a I think Higgy, yeah, that's my answer. Yeah, 
long life. I think, uh, first of all, big shout out to Romine because I fucking love Romine yeah, so much. Yeah, he was, he was so good. He was like the perfect, perfect backup catcher. You know, it's got the job done. You, textbook. Couldn't ask for a better. Like, player. yeah, couldn't ask for a better, better cat, backup catcher. Um, I don't know. I think I still feel like Talkman is still going to play into that role player position. Because like Dude, I mean like started. here's here's the thing it's like I know I know he had a couple good games he like, he was, he went off for a month couple. I'm not saying a, I'm not saying two games I'm saying like you know he didn't play there's not enough like oh, oh my god I'm gonna quote Murphy or sample size nah, um, let's go <laughs> but like um, I don't know like he played for like when he first started he wasn't that good right and then he picked up and got fucking crazy. In the last like month or so, they got hurt. It's like, you know, I still feel like he's not going to be, you know, that everyday starter yet. I think he is. I think, but I'm totally confident with putting him out there yeah. any day. He, his glove is unbelievable. His defensive yeah, runs. That's safe. why I think he's so confident. His defensive runs, safe, defensive war, he, and he didn't play nearly as many games as everybody else, but he was on the top of the league. Yeah. I, I'm with yeah. Damon, though. I don't think, I think if, you know, if we're healthy across the board, I think Talkman works his way in. Kind of at different spots in the outfield, and I think he's going to get a lot of at bats. But I think I still would call him a role player, utility guy. I don't I know. Too. I don't, yeah, and I think he. I I agree that he is a utility guy, and I think he's going to be a big, big, big piece. And the second somebody goes down in the outfield, he's going to be in, well, no I matter think, where. Well, it I is. think this is the thing, though. I I think he's immediately put in that starter role because of like Hicks is out. You got who's yeah. who's the starting lineup? Let's name it right now. Judges and right, obviously. Yep. Then what? Gardner, where? Probably center. in center. Left or center. Sorry, left, left, or center. left. And then who else is there? Well, that, that and if, as long as Stan's DHing, then he's not. It's hard because we're not going to know. And the lineup's going to change because some days Andahar, some days Andahar's going to DH and then Stanton's going to yeah, be in left. Maybe, maybe what he's I said. in left. Like, you never really know, you yeah. know? So I, I think that's what I'm saying, though, is that he's not an everyday starter. Like, no one's ever... Judge is never going to come out of right field. LeMahieu's never going to stop playing short. Glaber's never second. Er, second. Glaber's never going to stop playing short. Like those are like the starter starters, and I don't think Talkman's one of those. I think Talkman's going to move around. Yeah. I think he's going to play some center. I think he's going to play some left. Maybe DHs one day. But I think know. he's going to be in the lineup every day. So I, like in terms of these role players, I think there's a there, there's a definitely levels to what these on this list. Like the Ford, Wade, Frazier, Higgy, Talkman. I think he could play in as terms much of as playing Ford time. Does. Like I think he plays nearly every game that he can. Yeah, but think about that. That's the role, though. The role, the definition yeah, of a role player true. is coming in to fulfill a role that's empty at that certain yeah. time. When everyone was hurt, he filled a role and came in and played left field. Geo could also turn into a role player if Andy wins third. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these positions with us, and that's the great part about the injuries last year, that's the silver lining here, is that we created so much depth that every position is kind of like a revolving door. Yeah. Like, every position has a battle, so it seems. First base with Voight and Ford and... Possibly Miggy and DJ and all the revolving could, yeah, door there. Yeah, DJ can play there. Yeah, exactly. Gio could play, Gio, play whoever, third. I mean, first base is a fairly easy it, position to play. But I am not speaking from <laughs> from uh, me. I don't know. Whatever. Don't know. But regardless, even third base is a revolving door with Gio and Miggy. And then shortstop, Glaber can, is going to play short. But then DJ is going to play Glaber short. Glaber also probably. came up a third baseman. Not that that would ever happen now. but Regardless. But infielders can tend to move around a lot. I mean... And then now you're seeing the left field is going to be, or I mean the outfield as a whole is going to be a huge revolving door because you got the only person who's slated, like we said, to play is Judge and probably Gardner. I mean Gardner's earned that right. Well, Hicks, for sure. H- no, it's Hicks when he comes back. But they're going to. I'm saying that like they're going to move around. Gard- Gardner can't be an everyday center fielder. No, yeah. he's, he's going to be an everyday player. He can be an everyday player. 
He's going like, to I don't know. Like, he's going to play some left. He's going to play some His center. When Hicks comes back, Hicks is going to be the center fielder. Yeah. But, like, for right now, going into day one of the regular season, Judge is the only immovable object in right field. Like, yeah. he's the only one that you can't pull out of the outfield and put somebody else there. Yeah. And, yeah. With, like we said, with Stanton, too, I, I personally, I mean, when Stanton was on the Marlins, fully healthy, he played every day left field. Yeah. Or whatever position he played. But he was... An outfielder. He's not a bad outfielder. Yeah, he's got no play whenever. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's an athlete for sure. If he's healthy, I think he's. I don't. A lot of people say like, "Oh, he's a DH." We got so many other players that are DHs. Yeah, he, he is the least of our worries in terms of the DHs. Mm-hmm. You got. I mean, to list all of our DHs. Last year we had more with Edwin, but yeah. also that now that Edwin's gone, but you still got Void, guys like, like Ford, Void, Ford, DHs. So Whoever isn't playing could be the DH. Mm-hmm. And then you got guys like Frazier, who is a DH, is bat. I Miggy. like his – everybody loves his bat. He can yeah. hit the ball. Miggy. I want him to play some DH. I want Miggy to play DH. I mean, obviously some guys are going to get days off, so everybody's a DH. So, I mean, that that to me – like it's scary. It's, I'm just saying that guys who can play their position like Stanton are going to play their position. And for those that are saying like Stanton is our DH, like – Fuck off. Like, he's an We're going to see a converse of what last year was. Last year, we had a different lineup every day because a different guy was getting hurt every day. And barring any injuries this year, we're still going to get yeah, a different lineup every day because we're going to have a different DH every day. We're going to have this guy here, this guy here. Like, we could, you can move guys around, especially yeah. in the outfield. And I think we're going to fully utilize the DH. I, I wouldn't want us to have one DH every day. Yeah, uh, and that's literally the silver lining between all these injuries. And I was saying that last year. I was like, this is going to be good. Not even for this year, but for when they all come back. Now we have so many deep pieces that can get their number called and do what they had to do, like Romine and shit like that. So I just, I just love it, and yeah, that, that that's all I have to say about that. Damn. Uh, anything else, Damon, on that? Nah, I think we kind of touched on it all for so sure. Yeah. Next question from Matt Reichel. I think that's how you say it. I'm gonna butcher all these names <laughs> when we get the DMs, but. He said, what are your expectations for Cole in his first season as a Yankee? Uh, everything? Cy Young, Triple Clown, MVP, triple, triple World crown. Series. Keeping it, keep it low. Is he going to hit, too? Uh, I, mean, I, just, <laughs> I, I mean, realistic expectations. Like obviously, I think he – didn't he break the record for K's last year with 300-something? I think mm-hmm. – I mean, why, I don't know why he should regress – there's, I uh, mean, you can't expect a guy to break a record, a strikeout record, necessarily. That's because the whole basis behind breaking a record is you exceed expectations. So yeah. I'd like to say my only expectation is that he stays healthy. That's the only expectation. I think if we can expect him to stay healthy, then he'll be worth every penny that we're paying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if that guy stays healthy, I, I just I don't see him putting I – mean, maybe he could. He could get better. Who knows? Which would be crazy. That's asking for a lot. But I mean, it, he did just have this uh, fantastic season last year, and he didn't even win Cy Young. So maybe Cy Young is a answer. That it's we hard. Could put here. It's going to be really hard as a pitcher to walk in, have your first year at New York in New York, and some win guys a can Cy do it well, though. Some guys can. I don't know. I yeah, mean, that's, that was going to be my point. I think that like he does have to, there is a transitional period of like learning how to pitch in New York uh-huh. and a different stadium too. It's not just like the atmosphere; it's the actual stadium itself. You know, yeah. it's a different yeah. stadium, the but short it's, porch, it's and like, you know. It's not like he didn't deal with. It's not like he's coming from the Rays, like where he didn't deal with anything before. Like he came from the Astros; they fill out the stadium. 
They've been in playoff yeah. games. Yeah, but been... even Granky pitched the Astros, and he hates pitching under pressure. Like he could Granky. Yeah, well, he's a pitched in New York. He's a little he bitch. Pitched, <laughs> he didn't even play that well. He walked <laughs> walked in runs against us in the playoffs. So I think well, Cole, yeah, in the playoffs. a guy like Cole, who was so dominant in Houston in playoff games and stuff like that, like he he was great. So I think that is a telltale sign that what, what we can expect from him coming to the Yankees a little bit at least. It's tough to win yeah. Cy Young says a Yankee because we got the short porch. You know, it's it's it, yeah. it's incredibly intimidating to pitch at Yankee Stadium. I'm, I'm assuming, yeah. but at the, <laughs> at the same time though, he's gonna. I, I know the wins stat <coughs> is really diluted in terms of the Cy Young vote, but he's gonna get wins. I mean, you see those stats with Degrom. It's like if Degrom were to get three runs of run support, he'd be thirty and zero. <laughs> so yeah, and, and that's crazy. I think that was my that was gonna be my expectation or prediction. Um, like I don't really care about strikeouts, really. It's like I care about wins. I you know, I think, yeah. I think that my expectation, like I, my, I'd be happy. I mean, I'd be happy if he does anything, but I would be really happy if he does twenty plus wins. That'd be fucking awesome. I think yeah, that's that gonna be, be easy. Really cool. He got twenty. He went twenty and five last year, right? If I'm not yeah, mistaken, yeah, and then fifteen and five the year before that. Fifteen and five the year before that, but and now he's joining one of the most, if not the most potent offense you can compare us with yeah. the Twins are and right there with us in terms yeah. of offense and yeah. potential, but I feel like with that backing, I, I don't know I don't know how else he's going to put up the same win numbers. That, But that, again, is diluted. So I think our, my yeah. expectation for Cole is more of the same, I think. I, and I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I wouldn't... Keep doing, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. I wouldn't be really upset if he regresses a little bit, maybe half around bottom yeah. ZRA even out like that that's actually a lot yeah I wouldn't be that upset because it's New York and he'll settle in and that kind of thing especially going to what we had before what our best ERA was just under four yeah so if you, you get a guy what was ZRA last last season 2.5 I, I, I don't know uh, 2.5 yeah it was in the two and credit to me year before that. year before that it was 288 yeah, I mean that's clearly what the guy brings to the table and yeah if he's a half a run bump and he gets a three I'd like it to be 2.99, but just, like, sub-3 RA around there, I'm so happy with that. Yeah. yeah. And we, that's the guy we paid for, and that's an entire digit below what we had last year as the best ERA. Yeah. 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 And so. ERA, is, ERA is really the most important thing because, you know, you can't, again, going by the whole DeGrom thing, you can't blame him if we're not producing runs, but right. obviously that's not going to be an issue. Yeah. So the next question comes from Michael Reynoso, and he said, what do you think of – the Yankee prospects in the newly released top 100 pipeline and where they ranked. You got Jason Dominguez at 54, stud. You got Debbie Garcia at 92, and you got Clark Schmidt at 88. I don't know why that was out of order, but what do you, what do you, what do you guys <laughs> I think? I think about uh, that? the fact that Jason Dominguez is so high speaks so highly of how he's going to be because you don't see a lot of guys that are four years out that are almost top 16 15. years old 16. yeah like, literally just got his I, learners that, like i wouldn't be surprised if that's the youngest anybody's ever done that like i'm surprised yeah. i don't know he's high he's high yeah and he's gonna he's gonna be a number one prospect and, and we all know that um so I, i'm interested to see how he does his he's expected to come up in 2024 which i i can't wait that long i, like, I might have to go either. watch him really... play with like staten island or like yeah. trend thunder or something like oh, yeah uh yeah, yeah. so that's going to be really, really fun to see. And then as far as Schmidt and Garcia, we need pitchers to come up, and they're looking pretty ready to come up. And yeah. I like that they're still in the top 100. So what was the ETA on, on Garcia and uh, Schmidt that you saw? 20, I, the MLB. This um, year, right? This year, yeah, 2020. 
Because we, well, where was that from? Like, what, what it was source? from MLB.com. MLB. Like that's com. like yeah. it was in the pipeline, and then next to the, everyone's names on the pipeline, it says their expected year of arrival, estimated. Year that's of so arrival. cool. I mean, I, I could see it because we got in that fifth year, fifth starter conversation, sixth starter conversation, and even guys like you never know. Like we might use Debbie as a as a bullpen guy, possibly. You never like you don't know your specific role. You can fix him around. I mean, Sevy was turned into a bullpen, and then he came back to being a starter. That's so. That was actually going to be my point for both of them is that a lot of people don't remember, but Sevy came up when he was, like, yeah. 22 he and sucked. got shelled. And everyone's like, oh, this guy's a bum. He's a waste. He yeah. went down. He came back up the next year As a and, and then was sick. And then the same thing happened a couple of years ago with Herman. Herman, too. Herman yeah. came up for a little while, and we were like, oh, this guy's a bum. He like We are like, why yeah. is he pitching? And yeah. then the next year he comes up and gets 17 wins. So, like, I think he's going to have both of them maybe are going to have one of those years where they're going to come up. We're going to be a little disappointed. They're going to go back down. And then yeah, everyone's going to overreact. Yankees Twitter is going to blow up. Be like, oh, what? we should have traded him at the deadline and got the World Series. I mean, 2021, I think we're going to be good. 2021, that's that's fine yeah. with me. And then that also ties into the conversation, too, that because this year um, Paxton and Tanaka are both uh, eligible for free agency. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. might allow us, because those two guys are going to ask for a lot of money. And to be honest, I don't see us signing both. I know that's that's far out of out of sight right now. Like it's not necessarily con- like a today yeah. problem, but they're very similar people. And if I had to pick one of those, I'd pick probably Paxton. If I had a gun to my we'll head, we'll get we'll get there. Uh, we'll depending get there. on the season, no, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this. this season's gonna be the deciding factor. Exactly, we'll see how yeah. they do this season. And uh, but I just think one of the we're, we're not gonna keep both probably, and that's Most because likely. of the security blanket in Schmidt and. And Garcia, and honestly, we we haven't heard much about Schmidt as being the hype guy. We heard more about Garcia. He got drafted out of South Carolina. It's um, just funny. He was a college guy. Yeah, it's just funny to see that he's higher than Devi. So yeah, I was surprised. That's exciting to see that because that's the the security blanket coming up. And when we have this decision with with Tanaka and Paxton, like it's going to be kind of made for us. We have we can let one walk and be okay with that because then we have bolstering the bullpen is or the the rotation is. We have Cole under uh, Garrett Cole under contract for a while, then we have obviously Severino and then Paxton or Tanaka, and then yeah. maybe the J- maybe all those guys. You know, it's we have a good future for the pitching. The other thing I was surprised about with that list, well, I wasn't, I won't, I won't say surprised because I'm not surprised, but it was Foreal didn't make it and he dropped out because he's he's been in the top 100s and he hasn't come up. But granted, he was hurt all last year and that might have hurt his stock a little bit. But he's a guy when I think we get around the time of the trade deadline that's going to be in some of these trade packages now. Um, him and Hap, could, you know, you could see a decent return on them. I would not like to see Debbie or Clark Schmidt um, thrown into any of those uh, trade packages, though. Yeah, no. I, I like them for the future of the Yankees. And honestly, to go back to what the question was, for me, seeing Jason Dominguez so high, I know you talked about it already, but seeing him so high is so exciting to me because obviously there's the hype around him, and we see him. We, he's a switch-hitting, five-tool player who has a cannon for an arm and apparently is, like, fast, fast. Like, apparently he's, like, very, like, unworldly fast, too, which is crazy for us, <laughs> for a guy like that. He's, he's building a brick shit house. We've talked about that before. Yeah. And he's only going to get bigger because he's got professional weight training now. But seeing him actually materialize as being 54 when he's 16. And he's already a five-tool player, by too. The time he they're, gets, they're making him out to do that By play. the time the ETA comes around, he's I wouldn't put it past him. I'm going to take, take a peek at that same um, thing and see if there's anybody else even close to him that's 
in the top at that age group. Yeah. Yeah. And there was also um, there was also uh, he has the uh, the highest power rating um, out of the, of out of his Asian um, prospect class. Really? Yeah. I don't I don't really get the whole scout ratings and something like that. He's got like sixty or seventy. Or couple, it is. Yeah, it was like it was sixty five. It was sixty five, I think. Couple guys are twenty twenty two. Uh, a couple guys are twenty twenty one. Like Franco, the guy on the Rays, twenty twenty one. So far, I'm, I'm just you guys can keep talking. I'm just going through. But so far, Dominguez, I haven't seen a single twenty twenty three, and uh, not another not another twenty twenty four. So he's in kind of his own class right now. Yeah, I mean, which is awesome. I mean, it's it just out of him. That's that's good to see. Um, uh, our next question. I think this is gonna be our last question. Uh, Mason Mastere. Oh, these names are getting hard. This is even my fault. But he said nicknames from now on. Nickname Big Mace. So Big <laughs> Big Mace asked us our opening day lineup predictions. I think we we talked about that a lot. But um, what do you guys think? I, I think more. The way we'll attack this question is obviously you have the guys like Judge who are going to be in right field. You got DJ at second. I don't know if he's asking for the lineup, like batting wise, one through nine, which I don't, that's kind of a just do, just, do, I, just I do field string. positions. Yeah, but for in terms of field positions and who's going to be playing, I think the the fringe position is what we should be talking about because obviously yeah. we know who like the position battle. So what do you guys think about that? Um, so let's go around the diamond. Let's go position by position. Position by position. Yeah. First base. First base. Who you got? I got Voight, but I think it's closer than people think. For the sake of the argument, I'm going to take Ford. Uh, I, I think Voight, I've been seeing Voight, another guy in the weight room, all uh, all su- or all or winter long. And I think it's going to be, like you said, really, really close between the two of them. I think they're kind of going to, maybe not split time, but have some you know shared shared games, stuff like that. Maybe split a series here and there. So Yeah, I, I, I think, know. yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Murph. No, that, that was it. I, I really don't know, truthfully. No. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I'm going with Ford uh, just because I think he's going to have a better spring training than Voight. I could agree with that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these are going to come down to spring training, obviously. Yeah, I just think that Voight is going to perform better. I'm sorry, Ford's going to perform a lot better than Voight in uh, spring training. Yeah. And he's going to earn that spot. I, I just hope that that competition does what I think it's going to do and just brings out the best in both of them. I think that's that's something we haven't had in a while, too, because even at third, all these competitions are going to bring out the best in every player. Mm -hmm. Because before, all right, so we are obviously ranked minus, like, 200 to win our division and then we're plus 250 to win the whole goddamn thing, which is insane. That's I want to look up if that's, we'll look up off the air if that's the highest ever to be a favorite, because that's a line like it should be for a single game. But regardless... I just think that since we're so favorited, it's almost as if these guys kind of like they could like relax a little because they're such such favorites. No, 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 no. I, I'm saying they're not going to do that because yeah, like there's internal competition, so oh, okay. they're they're not going to be as like as like focused on the the rest of the league. Like they're going to be in a league of their own because these guys want to play on that team that is winning so much. Right. So. Instead, like if, if we're 30 games up on the division, which isn't going to happen because the Rays are good, but if we're so much further ahead in the win column than other teams, I don't think that actually will do as much as we thought it would because these guys are going to be fighting and clawing to play, you know? Right. Well, while we're talking about point. these competitions, let's jump over to the other side of the diamond and talk about Urshela and, uh, and Miggy. I mean, yeah. for me, uh, I'm, I mean, like, like Damon said, Cashman 
Damon said, Cashman said, <laughs> that uh, it's Urshela's job to lose, and rightfully so, because he definitely earned that last year, and Miggy, in his first year, defensively wasn't really there. So that uh, like gave us, as Yankee fans, excitement to see somebody who actually can play the third bag and play really well. And uh, there's no denying that we've talked about this so much too about the t- I mean this is one of the main conversations of the offseason and there's no denying Miggy's bat Miggy can definitely rake he batted th- he bat 300 and Dan on the last podcast was saying it's not actually not as good as you think it would be because his OPS or his OBP isn't really there because he doesn't really walk mm-hmm. so getting on he doesn't really get on a high clip maybe that comes with discipline of him being an older player so th- at, at, at the end of the day there's no denying his bat and like we said before, I think this ties into the whole competition and or spreading him around the field. But in ter- for the sake of saying who is our third baseman, I think it has to be Gio to, in, in opening day at least. But that is the question. It's opening day lineup predictions are not right. what's going to mm-hmm. be later on. So, yeah, my answer is most Gio. Yeah, I think it's going to be Gio too. I think regardless of what happens in spring training, I think it's going to be Gio at third base on opening day. For defensive reasons, yeah. I think that is the answer. Like, I could agree with him being opening day because just because that's what Cashman said. But I think that I, I've said this before, and I know a lot of other people Sample have too. Size. Is that we no, <laughs> we just forget about how good Andahar is, and because he struggled forget. last year, and I just if he's not back in the lineup. Well, that's, that's why I really training, think that I, like I, I, I think I think that depending on how spring training goes with Andujar, I think he might be the opening day DH if he's healthy oh, and yeah. ready to go. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then it left. wouldn't hurt us to throw Stan in Stan left. left. Yeah. yeah, and I think that the only other questionable things in this conversation, I mean, obviously Garrett Cole's going to be pitching, Gary's going to be catching, Glaber's going to be playing short, DJ's playing second, Judges and Judges right. and right, and then everything else we said about Talkman and Gardner are going to be the other ones. Yeah, and, I think Gardner will yeah. be center, and then Stan in left, Miggy DH. Yeah, yeah. so I think I actually think we're all on, on agreement, so it's literally go around the diamond. So we're going to have Gary catching, Gary Cole pitching. First base is Voight. Second base is DJ. Shortstop is Glaber. Third base is Geo. Left field is Talkman. Center field is Gardner. Right field is Judge. And DHing is Mickey. And I think there's no other way to go about it. I agree with that. Yeah. Except no, for left and, and first, but yeah. What do you mean? I said stand and left and then yeah, forward and first. Yeah, I think it's going to be stand and left. I, I agree with you, I said Damon. stand and left. Oh, no, no, you, no, said, you said, said Talkman. Talkman. Then honestly, then I, m- I meant to say, um, Stanton in left and Talkman in center. Just to you know peruse, would you would? I don't know. What are the odds that we maybe see Talkman in center? I I think Talkman's our best center, best outfielder. Yeah. Judge is our best outfielder. I think Talkman's Talkman's our second he also, best. He's also coming off injury. Talkman is our yeah, second best outfielder, depending on yeah. barring injury, but. He's, he's well, it's, it's just talking about opening day. It's, it's a big factor. In center. If he's healthy, I think, I think I would like to see Talkman in center. I'd be surprised to see him, but I wouldn't hate it. Yeah. All right. I think that wraps it up for me. Anything else from you guys? It's a long one. No, it's about Hour 30. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Let's go Yanks. So as, so as always, let's go Yanks. Let's New go episodes Yanks. coming out every every Monday in the off season. During the season, we'll be a lot more consistent, yeah, making we'll a ton of episodes. But yeah, that's it from us. Go Yanks. Go Yanks.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.